0: Hello and welcome to the AK-47 Podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey and today I am going to be reading the second half of Chapter 6 of Alexandra Kollontai's novel, Red Love. Now, as you probably know if you've been listening to these episodes, this book is really kind of a criticism of what... Collentae calls the NEP men or the NEP men, so the new economic policy. And it's really important to just stop for a second and give a little bit more context or to remind you of the context. I've given some context for this story before, but especially the scenes that we're about to hear are really kind of steeped in a particular point of view that I think is important to kind of keep in mind as you listen to it. So as you know. Volodya, who is sort of the main male character, is taking up a job, and he's working with a lot of these new economic policy people. And Vasilisa has come to him, and they're going to live together now, and she's basically seeing how the new economic policy is working in practice for the first time. So after the Russian Revolution in 1917, after the Bolshevik Revolution in October of that year, you have this situation whereby the Russian economy has been battered already by World War I. It, again, faces a civil war. And once the civil war is over and war communism has done its job and sort of defeated the White Guards and kind of gotten the country into some form of stability, there's this question of how to rebuild the economy. And it's at this point that Lenin decides to use... Some of the former bourgeois, some of the members of the former bourgeoisie in order to run these companies and to kind of reintroduce the profit motive, because it turns out that when you try to turn over the factories to the workers, especially in this early period of time, when the workers were given control of their factories, they essentially voted themselves higher wages and took lots of days off. So productivity fell catastrophically in the early years of the Soviet Union and Lenin thought that reintroducing markets would allow the Soviet Union to recover and that meant that they needed to rely on people who would have otherwise been considered class enemies, so these former bourgeoisie. So the characters that Vasya is about to meet in this scene Are her husband Bologna's new friends, friends in quote there, and they are members really of the former bourgeoisie, even though they're saying that they're communists, uh, particularly in the latter part of the chapter. So again, this is this idea that after the revolution, suddenly there's this reversion to capitalism, and then there are people who are establishing themselves as a new class of elites in Soviet society. So this is the second half of chapter six of Red Love. The dinner guests arrive, Severlyev and Ivan Ivanovich, the secretary of the administration. Sevelyev was a tall, lean man in a gray suit. His thin hair was neatly combed, and he wore a seal ring on his index finger. Clever, rather crafty eyes, an unpleasant smile on his smooth, shaven face— as though he were watching everything, as if everything were the same to him as long as he was well off. That's how it seemed to Vasya. When he met Vasya, he raised her hand to his lips. She pulled it away. I'm not used to that, as you say. But I never object to kissing the hand of a young woman. It's pleasant, and the husband can't be jealous. You must be very jealous, Vladimir Ivanovich. Confess. As he spoke, he slapped Volodya's back, Vladimir laughed. Vasya is the model wife. There's no need of being jealous of her. So she doesn't follow her husband's example? Savelyev winked at Vladimir, and Vladimir's eyes suddenly grew big and frightened. I don't think I've done anything to Savelyev interrupted. Never mind. We know how you are, you married men. I've been through it myself, but now I'm leading a bachelor's life. Vasya didn't like Savelyev. Didn't like him at all. But Volodya talked with him as a friend about business, about politics. Vasya wouldn't have discussed politics with this speculator, wouldn't have laughed with him at the chairman of the executive committee. She would have to reason with Volodya, persuade him to drop this friendship. They had wine for dinner. The secretary, Ivan Ivanovich, had brought it in a basket. They were worried about some large shipments that had failed to arrive and which they were afraid would come too late for the fair. Vasya listened, trying to grasp the meaning of it all, but it seemed to her that these things weren't so very important, as if the main point were not being mentioned. The throbbing and hammering of her temples bothered her, and her eyes hurt. If only the meal were over. Vladimir ordered the auto right after dinner. He had to attend an important meeting concerning the shipment. Are you really going to go to the meeting today, the day your wife came? You ought to stay with her. It's not nice of you, Vladimir Ivanovich. Savelyev looked at Vladimir with a crooked smile. Impossible, interrupted Vladimir, carefully lighting a cigarette. He would have been glad to stay, but business, you know. Savelyev could not refrain from saying, there are two sides to everything. And again, Basia thought he was winking at Vladimir, laughing at him, a disgusting speculator. If I were in your place, I'd drop everything else today and spend the first evening with your wife. Business won't run away. Vladimir didn't answer. He picked up his cap angrily. Well, Nikonor Platonovich, are we ready to go? They drove off, Ivan Ivanovich going with them. Vasya was left alone, alone in the great empty house which was so strange to her. She went through the rooms, dreary, lonely, cold. She stood beside the big window. Then she lay down on the bed with a silk quilt and fell asleep at once. She awoke with a start. It was dark. Lighting the lamp, she glanced at the clock, a quarter past twelve. Had she really slept so long, past midnight? Vladimir had not come in. Getting up, Vasya bathed her face and went into the dining room. The supper table was set. The light was burning. The room was empty and still, the rest of the house dark. She went into the kitchen where Maria Semyonova was straightening the things. Hasn't Vladimir Ivanovich returned? No, not yet. Does he always come back so late from his meetings? It depends. Maria Semyonova was sullen and sparing with her words how about you? Are you waiting up for him? Aren't you going to bed? Vasya and I take turns. One day he stays up, the next day I do. Will Vladimir have supper when he comes? If he brings any guests, I guess he'll have some then. Otherwise, he goes straight to his room. Vasya stayed a little while longer, silent. She saw that Maria Semyonova was busy with her own affairs and paid no attention to her. Going back to the bedroom, Vasya opened the window. A cool, quiet spring night. The air was filled with the strong perfume of the acacias. The frogs croaked loudly, curiously. At first, Vasya thought they were night birds. The sky was dark and dotted with many, many twinkling stars. Vasya gazed into the dark garden, looked up at the sky and stars, Her heart became calmer. She forgot the speculator, Savelyev, forgot about the pain Vladimir had involuntarily caused her during the day. Now she felt with all her soul that she had come to him, to her beloved, to help and guide him. One who associates with net people cannot help leaving the right road. That was why he had summoned her, his friend and wife. Remembering how Vladimir had arranged everything, Vasya was proud of him how energetic he was. Now she saw things in a different light. Everything seemed clearer, more intelligible, more cheerful than during the day. vasya was so absorbed with her thoughts that she failed to hear either the car coming up or Vladimir walking over the rugs and carpets to her. The sound of his voice made her start. And what were we thinking about so hard, little Vasuk of mine? As Vladimir bent over her, his eyes seemed anxious and loving. Have you really come, dear? I've been waiting so long. She threw her arms about his neck. Vladimir picked her up as in the first months of their love and carried her through the room like an adored child. Vasya felt happy and gay. Volodya loved her, loved her as always. How silly she had been. How had she felt hurt in the morning? They drank tea together, had an intimate and affectionate talk. Vasya pronounced her opinion of Savelyev it's better not to be a friend of his. Vladimir did not deny it. He admitted that he too had no respect for him, but Savelyev was useful. The whole business would have been impossible without him. He had many connections from before and enjoyed the confidence of the merchants. It was possible to come into contact with them through him. Volodya too had learned much from him. Frankly speaking, he was not worth much as a man, a genuine bourgeois, but in business he was indispensable. That was why Volodya had defended him when the highest authorities, the super-clever fellows, had arrested Sevelyev. He was highly esteemed in Moscow. The local authorities had been given a good calling down on his account. "'Yes, but didn't you write me that his hands aren't clean?' How can I make it clear to you? He's our representative. Of course he doesn't neglect himself, but he's no worse than the others. Besides, the other fellows dawdle about and do nothing while he works conscientiously, and he knows his work and likes it. All this notwithstanding, however, Vladimir promised to see less of him. Business was business, but it didn't necessitate a friendship. Having finished their tea, they returned to the bedroom arm in arm, Vladimir pressed Vasya's head to his breast, kissed her curls, and spoke thoughtfully, tenderly. Such a dear little head. It will always be mine, won't it? Another friend like you, Vasya, doesn't exist. I love only you, my Vasya, my little tomboy. Vasya woke up late. Vladimir had gone to work long before. She didn't feel well. She had shooting pains in her side, felt feverish, and was beginning to cough. Had she caught cold on the trip? Although it was a beautiful sunny day, she wrapped a shawl about her. She didn't want to move, didn't want to get up. Maria Semyonova came into the room, stood in the doorway, folded her hands before her, and looked at Vasya as though she were expecting something. "'Good morning, Maria Semyonova.' "'Good morning,' was the dry response. "'What will you order for dinner?' When he left, Vladimir Ivanovich said you'd attend to everything. You're having guests. Vasya was at a loss. She had no idea what she should order. At home, in the community house, they had had only such food as the state supplied. Seeing that Vasya knew nothing, whatever, about such matters, Maria Semyonova suggested various dishes. Vasya agreed to everything. But she inquired as to the cost. Wouldn't it be very dear? Maria Semyonov's mouth snapped shut. Well, if you want a good dinner, you can't save on it. You can't have anything without money. The communists have done away with the payox. Do you have any money? There is a little left from yesterday, but not enough for today. Meat is expensive and we'll have to buy butter too. So Vladimir left you no money. He left me Nothing. He only said, go to Vasilisa Dementievna and discuss everything with her. So what should she do now? Maria Semyonova stood there waiting for the money and would not go. Vasya had a little money left, but the household would soon eat it up and she would be left without a Kopek. She didn't like that idea. Why don't you advance some of your money to me and then have Vladimir Ivanovich give it back to you, suggested Maria Semyonova. Really, that never occurred to me. And the matter was settled. When Maria Semyonova had gone, Vasya went out into the garden. She walked up and down the paths for a long time until she was tired. She felt so exhausted. Lying down, she took up a book and fell asleep over it. And now there's a time lapse. Vasya lay stretched on the bed, her cheeks were burning, her sleep was disturbed by dismal, tormenting dreams. Waking, she looked about fretfully. Why had she gone to sleep? It would have been better to see the sights of the city. She hadn't come to Vladimir to be sick, yet she hadn't the slightest desire to raise her head. She closed her eyes, and her thoughts immediately became confused. It was no proper sleep, not even a doze. But she wasn't fully conscious either. Vasilisa Dementievna. Vladimir Ivanovich will come in for dinner any moment. You should get dressed. Then I could make the bed. He hates to see disorder in the house. Marya Semyonova was bending over Vasya as though, being the elder, she wanted to correct her. Is it that late? Almost five, and you haven't even had breakfast. I wanted to wake you before, but you were sound asleep. That's from the trip. You haven't gotten over it yet. It might be the trip, or I may have caught a cold. I feel chilled. But you should put on your woolen dress. It'll be warmer. That little rag you're wearing isn't any good. My suit turned out badly. My husband didn't like it at all. Why do you say that? It's not so bad. There may be too many pleats on the hips, and the waistline isn't just where it should be. Nowadays, they're wearing the waistline. Look, I've been a dressmaker, too, and I know all about clothes. Just... Let me remodel the skirt. We'll change that dress so Vladimir Ivanovich won't recognize it. Will it be ready by dinner time? <laughs> That's asking a little too much. No, we'll do it slowly. We won't rush it. Now you put on your black skirt and wear the coat of your suit over it. That'll look very well. Never before had Vasya spent so much time in front of the mirror. Maria Semyonovna was forever finding something to change. Here she fastened something with pins, there she made some long stitches. She found a lace collar, too. The effect was quite good. Simple, yet elegant. Even Vasya liked it. What would Vladimir say about it? As soon as she was finished, Vladimir came in with his guests, an employee of the GPU, what had been the Cheka, and his wife. The ends of his mustache had been waxed to needle points. He was foppishly dressed, with tan boots that reached to his knees. And he called himself a communist. Vasya didn't like him at all. And his wife dressed up like a streetwalker. She mm. wore a thin dress, white shoes, and a fur scarf across her shoulders. Her mm. fingers were glittering with wings. Vladimir kissed her hand, jested with her. What were they talking about? She couldn't understand it. It was all nonsense. Vladimir was bending over her gallantly his eyes flirting with hers. Vasya sat beside the man from the GPU. He was a communist, but she had no idea what to say to him. They had wine again. Vladimir touched glasses with the lady. She whispered something to him, and they both laughed. It annoyed Vasya, but he paid no attention to her. As if she didn't belong to him. Queer, she didn't like it. Jokingly, they mentioned the fasts. The lady said that she was religious and went to confession, even though she did not fast. How could that be? A comrade of the GPU married to a believer? Vasya scowled. She was out of humor. Because of Vladimir, too. What sort of friends did he have? Toward the end of the meal, Ivan Ivanovich came in to tell them that Sevelyev had taken a box in the theater and had invited them. We'll go, won't we, Vasya? Asked Vladimir. With Savelyev. Vasya tried to catch his eyes, but he pretended not to understand. Yes, of course, with the whole crowd. They're giving a new operetta. It'll amuse you. No, I won't go. Why not? I don't feel quite well. I must have caught cold on the trip. Vladimir looked closely at her. Really, you don't look well, Vasya. Your eyes are quite sunken. Let me have your hand. Why, it's terribly hot. Of course you can't go, and I won't go either. But why not? Do go. The guests, too, persuaded Vladimir, and he gave in. In the hall, Vladimir embraced Vasya in the presence of the others and whispered in her ear, You look unusually pretty today, Vasya. He asked Maria Semyonova to take care of her. Go to bed right away, Vasya. I'll be back soon. I won't stay till the end. And they drove off. Vasya wandered about the rooms, quite forlorn. She didn't like this life. She couldn't say what was wrong with it, but everything was new and unfamiliar, and she was a stranger here. No one had any need of her. Vladimir might love her, but he thought so little of her. He had put his arms around her, kissed her, and gone away. It was different when he had to go to a meeting, to work, but this time it was the theater. Why had he gone without her? Hadn't he seen enough of the theater during the winter? Something was troubling Vasya, haunting her. She couldn't express it. She felt ill at ease. I'll stay here a week, she decided. I'll see how things stand with Volodya, and then I'll go. But there was the rub. Where would she go? Back to the community house? Her room there, her attic under the roof was gone. Her friend, Grusha the seamstress, was living in it. Besides, the Fedoseevs were there. There would be gossip and worry. Once more, she would have to fight everybody for the house, and she felt too worn out for that. Besides, she had lost faith in the soundness of the proposition, and that was the most important point. No, she had no place where she could go. This thought made her heart even heavier, stabbed it as with a steel blade. Vasya was cold. Shivering, she drew her hands into her sleeves. She wandered through the dark, empty rooms. She felt as if this strange house were preparing sorrow for her, a lurking disaster. A premonition? Could a communist believe in premonitions? But it must be that. Else, why this melancholy? This infinite, nameless, fruitless melancholy? All right, well, that's the end of chapter six of Alexandra Quolintay's Red Love. I will pick up with chapter seven. We are finally starting to make our way through this book. I hope you are all safe and well. Things are pretty crazy here in the United States. I'm sure many of you have heard about the death of the Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's quite an icon of women's rights here in the United States and creates a lot of chaos in the upcoming election for which there already was a lot of chaos. So I won't pontificate or editorialize on that, but just a moment of tribute to Justice Ginsburg and a wish that all of you out there will keep up the good fight.